Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Denise Brown, your host of Your Caregiving Journey, a talk show that helps you as you help family members and friends. It is Friday, February 10th. It's 9 a.m. Central Time, and we're live out of Chicago. Holly, who cared for her husband, is going to join us in just a few moments. She's one of our fan favorites. Typically, she was joining me on Saturday mornings. It got to be a little hectic for me this past fall, planning the National Caregiving Conference. So we kind of got off rails, Um, but we're back on. So Holly's going to join us in just a few moments, and she's going to talk to us about life after caregiving. So you'll remember that her husband died just a little over two years ago. She's going to give us an update about what her life is like now, how she's moving forward, what challenges she's faced and overcome, and what uh, current challenges she might be looking into. A couple quick updates for you. As you know, I launched a new podcast, which is today on Monday mornings. It's airing at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. It's 30 minutes. It's really focused on helping you start your week, feeling supported, understood, and comforted. So you can listen to the podcast that we've currently done on blogtalkradio.com slash caregiving, and all the archives are on caregiving.com. If you'd like to be a part of today, when you listen to the archives on caregiving.com, you can complete a form to be a guest to share your story, share a solution, or ask for help with a conundrum. Today on caregivingjot.com airs on Mondays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Just a reminder that we have three daily chats. You know what? We have four daily chats on caregiving.com. We have general chats at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, and 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And then we have a chat that helps you at your Carrie's end of life and then as you continue into a life after caregiving. And that chat takes place at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. When you go to caregiving.com, you'll see an orange chat bubble. Just click on that. It opens up all the different chat rooms, gives you all the times of the different chats. So feel free to join us when you can to connect with you there just a nice way to chat about your day, vent about your day, share about your day. On the good days, we'd love to see you, and definitely on the bad days, come on in. Just a reminder, we do encourage you to get to know caregiving.com, our chats, how to blog, how to connect with us in our groups on your good days so that It's an easy go-to on a bad day. So when you're having a good day and you think, I don't need support, (laughs) because we do tell ourselves, I don't need support, it's a good day. That's a good day to build your support. Because on the bad days, when you're really stressed out, it can sometimes feel too difficult to navigate a website or find a support group. So build your support on your good days so they're for you on your bad days. And heck, you know what? When you've got a good day, it can help to support someone on a bad day. Okay, let's be up to 
joining me this morning is Holly. You'll remember that she's been sharing the story of caring for her husband, Dave, since just about October, September of 2010. Oh, my gosh. Holly, can you believe it? It's been that long. No. Apparently, time flies. It goes by more quickly the older you get. Yes. Yes. You know, I think of of you and the story that you've shared as really one of the best podcasts, honestly, ever, because you shared during caregiving, at the end of caregiving, and then after caregiving. And I love that continuation of your story. So I'm grateful that you join us. Well, it's nice to be back. It's really good to hear your voice again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So... The two-year anniversary of Dave's death was at the end of January, correct? Yeah, January 31st. Okay. So how did you mark the day? What did you do? What was it like? Well, what's interesting is that um, I worked at physio on that day. And a few days before that, I had, I was I was speaking with someone, and they... They said instead of marking the day your loved one passes, they celebrate their birthday. And I thought, well, you know, that is, you know, I mean, that, that, that made a lot of sense to me. And this year, it took us almost two years to decide what to do with Dave's ashes. And it was a week before his birthday in November, and with his very best friends, Doug and Emery, jury, we went, because we had both the kids here, and the grand, and our grandson, and we spray the ashes just where all oh, in a in a chucker hunting territory, and came back and watched football, which he would have loved, and had his favorite pizza, and had the rum and cokes that he likes to um, uh, that he, he always had a drink. And so I felt that that was my celebration. And on the 31st, there was a little bit, you know, a few days before then my daughter had been visiting, and we had tears thinking about the the final week because it was a surprise for her. She didn't realize that her dad was was, um, going to pass away that week. She just came home to visit him. And uh, so so it's sort of as it comes up, I, I, um, you know, feel and remember. and, And so that day didn't hold a lot of sadness for me. I was so pleased with how Dave and I went through this journey. I was couldn't have been I couldn't have been more at peace for both of us with how we um uh maneuvered our way through the challenges. And so it was almost just another day. So what I love, Holly, is that you give yourself permission, which in essence gives us permission to really figure out what works for you. Mm, uh, good and point, you, yeah. Yeah, and you figured it out. And I also yeah. love that you didn't rush into, oh, my gosh, we haven't figured out what to do with his ashes. It's been six months. It's been a year. We've got to figure something out. <laughs> I love yeah. that you just let it kind of evolve so yeah. that yeah. what you did with the ashes became really what you loved about Dave. It it was it was so perfect. Um we even had to go off roading for about a half hour to get to this. Fortunately I have an all wheel drive but and, and, and literally 
um, you know, just over bumps and, and gullies. And that was Dave to a T. I mean, it was it couldn't have been more perfect. And and I had no vision of where we would spread his ashes, who would be there, I, nothing. I just allowed it to happen. And it was, wow, it was beautiful. Yeah. And, and as I said, it was almost two years. And that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the... I hate to use the word challenges, maybe adjustments, and you can let me know what word works for you, Holly, but one of the one of the adjustments that you've talked to us about in the past is living alone. Mm-hmm. So after Dave died, it was really figuring out who are you in the house by yourself. Mm-hmm. How is that going for you now? Well, it's um it has been a journey. It absolutely that it has been the biggest adjustment. The first year was was difficult. I remember putting in time just walking up and down the driveway to uh, just fill my nights and it, with the dog and it was wow, it it was an empty feeling. I had never experienced that in my life. I grew up with you know, a sister that I shared a bedroom with, I you know, university. I, I, I was just never alone. So after the first year, I got, into, I got into a pattern, and it's almost like when somebody retires, you know, it takes them a while to figure out what to do with, their, with, their, with themselves. What's, what's the purpose? What is their purpose? And it, and it was for me more than just doing my businesses. So I started scrapbooking again and um, with a purpose because it was putting scrapbooks together with um, – each of the both my kids got a homemade scrapbook, like it's right from scratch, like even the covers of um, them with their dad from the time they were a baby until until the day that he passed away, and um, you know in a, in a memory box, and so uh, you know and I made one for his mom, and so that's really filled my time um, down in my craft room, and I also picked up, um, I, I took training for, for hospice, volunteering, because I felt I had, a, I have so many life experiences to share, and I, and I really believe in living the best life you can until your last breath, and whether you're the patient or whether you're the family, it's, it's important to, to keep in mind. So that's, that's really helped me. But the challenge, once again, that just rose, arose about a month ago, the fellow that I was um, dating, uh, his, his wife passed away a few months after Dave, and he grie- his grief continues, and he's not ready for a relationship. So I find myself looking at the aloneness again and realizing that... I do have a fear of being alone that I needed to that I need to address. That I don't want to have someone in my life just because I have a fear of being alone. And and so once again I'm going okay. What do I need to move through that? And uh it's a work in progress and I'll let you know next month how things are. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Uh, You know, I just love your honesty. I think, you know, um, 
we can we could really struggle to admit what our fears are. And I think sometimes we think, oh my gosh, I'm I'm a strong, independent person. I should be okay with being alone. And yet, honestly, it's okay to admit that it is hard to be alone. It is hard to be alone. Mm-hmm. It's hard to yeah, adjust well, to that. That's right. I mean, Brene Brown, she said we're wired for connection, and I get that. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm also but I also really like um having that person in your life that you that you talk to at the end of every day. How did your day go? Who so, yeah. you know, two AM you wake up and you're in panic and somebody, you know, can hold your hand. Th- those are the things that you know, a girlfriend can't you know, it, it just it's not a substitute and um at least for me. Not not for everybody, um, you know, but, but for me that's what and I and I now realize that I had expectations that that's how my life should be. I'm reading a great book called Expectation Hangover by Christine Hasler. And um, and there's a difference between expectations and, and goals or purpose. So that's the other thing I'm working on this month after this breakup is um, releasing expectations that this is how my life should be and that I should be with someone and that I have to look a certain way. So... Um, yeah, lots of growth. Lots well, lots of growth, lots of pain still. Um and uh but 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 I would have to say more peace. You know, I I can look at pictures of Dave and I really have oh, I have I have such peace with him and 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 um our life in our lives, you know, our almost 40 years together. So bear with me as I struggle to formulate this question. So loss is not something that was new to you when you lost your parents. Do you think we ever truly are ready for loss? I think um, each loss, there was a really good uh, poem um, and I think each loss always holds a place in our heart. I think it. I, I, I um. Hmm. It, well, every day we're losing, right? I mean, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter whether yeah, you know, right. life or or uh, we're losing our looks or or whatever. <laughs> um, yes, I'm losing my figure and, too. FYI. Yeah, oh, and gaining wrinkles. Yeah, 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 all that. Yeah, but um. Yeah. um do we ever get used to loss? I don't, well, I mean, for me, each of the losses that I've had, um, my mom, my sister, and Dave, and now this relationship, um, it, it, there, there's a grieving period for each of them. And and what I have found is that because, uh, I, because after each loss, I decided I wasn't going to stay stuck but it took me it takes me less time to reach the acceptance um mm. stage of the grieving process um that's what i've noticed with each loss but i still go you know i i, I recognize this past month you know i'm was in denial and then you bargain and then you and then you get upset and then you get sad and and um and you yeah, you go through those stages but but um I know for my mom it was it was who passed away the um 
what, I don't know, almost 30 years ago, it, it took a lot longer for me to, to reach that acceptance that she really was gone than it did um, for Dave. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Mm-hmm. What, well, what do you, like, what, um, what, what's your, what, is, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I, I'm not sure because I think that each loss affects us differently. So mm-hmm. when you lost Dave, what mm-hmm. struck me was you lost that 2 a.m. love. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. a different loss than your mom. Mm-hmm. Just like what you lost with your sister is different than what you lost with your husband. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. But when I think about the pain the pain seems just as acute. Yeah. So, so, the, so the characteristics or the features of the loss are different, but the emotion is the same for me. You know, it's, it's pain. It's pain. It's, it's um, uh, yeah, it's, it's missing them. Missing, yes. you know, with my sister. Right, yes, yes. It was missing daily. Um, we used to talk every single day. And it's only, you know, recently I was, I've, I've stopped thinking, oh, can't call her. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. And as you point out, though, loss is part of our day. Mm-hmm. Part of and our life. It, yeah. Yeah. And how do we cope with it? Mm-hmm. And how do we not get trampled by it where mm-hmm. we can't continue? Right. Yeah. So as you go through this this latest loss, with, which is loss of love again, it's the motivation to continue and really to figure out, okay, so I am trying to figure out who am I now in this life and how do I release this expectation of who I should be? Mm-hmm. The other thing is releasing the expectation of, of a vision. You know, when, with Dave... Um, I had eight years to uh, release the mm, that we were going to grow old, we were going to travel as he did his duck carving. And, and um, so that was a long, and so I, you know, I, I had a long time. This, this past loss, um, it is a loss of what I thought was going to happen in my future, a vision of who I expected to be my life partner and um you know we had so much fun there were so many things it's just it it's uh it it it's well it's more it's more immediate and it's more sudden and and it, it it'll be interesting how we're, and both my mom and my sister i had months to prepare um this i had one day and so so yeah it's different yeah it's it's been a different um it's been a a a, a different story but I uh, I know like I have moved through other losses and I um, I'm ge- I'm allowing myself to feel the sadness and the grief like I know that um, that with my mom I I I pushed it down and so it took me longer to move through it and this one I'm not pushing it down I'm I'm staring at it in the face and, and uh, yeah, doing what I have to do sometimes it's getting and you know, 
crying, whatever. Yeah, I just wondered if you ever just want to stamp your foot, maybe even more than that, jump up and down and say, it's not fair, it's not fair. I haven't, you know, I, I no, that, no, that, uh, that part hasn't come to me. Um, it did with, um, with Dave initially, um, and it did with, um, with my sister who, oh my gosh, she had so many challenges through her life, and I thought, it wasn't fair for her, it was not fair for me, it wasn't fair for her to, lo- to, um, you know, lose her life halfway through what I thought was a great life, but, um. Um, but but this time no, I don't see that. I I have more of that fear of well, you know, of of being with a life partner. I you know that that's what I want. And um, uh, but I don't know. So far, I don't have any anger now. I don't know. I don't know if that'll come. But it, so far, it hasn't showed up. Very little so, of it showed up with Dave. Yeah. Yeah. So is the fear that it won't happen again? Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that, um, and that I need to release the expectations that that's what cause society. I mean, you know, we're, you know, we're told we're wired, and I like it. I like being with someone, um, and so I, um, I need to trust. I, what I need to do is trust, just like with Dave's ashes. I just trusted that the right time and the right place would show would would come as long as I had the intention. And so my intention is to have a life partner again. I, I enjoy it. I'm only 63. I'm going to live to at least 104. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, of course. Well, and, you, and you, yeah, you take great care of yourself. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I really do believe that I'm going to live that long. So I have a... I love to I love to go hiking with someone. I love to bike with that person. I love to go, you know, traveling with that person. Um, it's just fun. So anyway, that's what I'm going to have to distrust that if it that if it's meant to be, it will happen. And in the meantime, I'm going to fill my life, but also allow myself to grieve this latest situation. Yeah. So I think of it as, oh, gosh, you know, you grieve for what was, and somehow you gather up the gumption to be open to what will be. Yeah, and that's it. That That's, you know, really the key is, is to um, be open to the infinite possibilities. You know, with possibilities that I can't see. I mean, I could never, I, I never imagined that. I keep going back to Dave's ashes, but I never imagined that that day could be as magical as it was, and it was as perfect as it was. And we really honored Dave. I never, I, I didn't have a plan, and and that's when things turn out with with such little effort. I think when when I eff, when I effort too much or work too hard or resist too much that I'm trying to take the control instead of allowing it to to just happen. And that's the same when caregiving for for Dave, caring for Dave. As soon as I gave up the control that his disease should go a certain way and this is what it should look like and this is how I should feel and this is how he should, you know, respond. And when I started to just 
look at what was at the time, it, it became so much easier for me. So the talent in this is being okay with the unknown. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh. oh, yes, that is oh, perfect. How hard is that for us? We want oh. to know. We want to know. Yeah, we want certain we want certainty because that's what, sure. what we think gives us our security. Yes. But, but and that that goes to the expectations. But then again, with expectations comes a lot of hurt, comes a lot of resentment, comes a lot of disappointment. Yeah. And yeah. But th- but that is is how we try to 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 gain control of our of our life. That doesn't work. I, I tell you, it doesn't work. It's not it working doesn't. for me. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, this no. goes to the question of where do we belong? And part of what society likes is to put us in the groups, right? So without a partner, what group do you belong in? Society doesn't oh, know absolutely. what to do, <laughs> what to do yeah. with you. So that, push, that pushes us into what can feel like discomfort. I've got to label yeah. myself. I've got to put myself in a group so other people are comfortable. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That's that's yeah. not for us to take on, I believe. No, but but you do get like I I've gotten stopped twice in the last month when like house insurance. So are you married, divorced? Mm, yeah. So uh, I said no. Uh, widowed. I said, ooh, yeah, yeah, I guess I am that. Yep. I'd never used that. I had not used that word. And it's not that I was, I just didn't use that label. Um, and and I don't know. I I guess that's, that. I mean, that would describe what my my status is. And then I was um, uh, getting a, a car, and then they said, okay, are you a Mrs. or a Ms.? And I, and I looked at my daughter, and I didn't know how to answer that. And and she says, Mom, you're a missus. And I thought, no, I'm not. I'm not a missus, but anyway. You know, it's just little things like that. It's it's all the labels, right? W- who are you? But it's kind of nice when you um, stop and say, oh, I'm not that and I'm not that. And, and, uh, so I'm trying to think of a book. And, of course, I can't remember what the name of it is, except it's got the word blue in it. And I can't remember who the author is, except I know that she lost her husband and her daughter within a short period of time. And the book that she wrote is after her husband's death, and she's now facing the death of her daughter. And she she is in her doctor's office because she is not well. And so the doctor's office has given her this emergency contact sheet. And so she's filling out the form and she realizes she doesn't have an emergency contact. Mm. There is no close family member she can list in case of an emergency. And I think of that moment as being a moment that we all can relate to where we have a moment in our life where we feel untethered. We have no anchor. Where do we point the ship? Right. And when there's a time of loss, you have that moment of, well, who am I now without the missus, without Mm -hmm. the married? Mm -hmm. And it can be a jolt. Yeah, yeah. Um, What it 
what it did for me, because I remember going on a bike ride. This was during Dave's journey, about three years into it. I was on it on my bike ride or on my bike, and um, and and I I don't know why this thought came through, but it was like, okay, what if you're not Dave's caregiver? What if you're not a physio? What if you're not a coach? What if you're not a mother or wife? All the other labels that I had in my life. What if you're not that? And I just started sobbing because I really didn't know who I was. I I had all these labels, especially the the, the um, you know where I could hide behind some of these labels. Yes. And um and, and caregiving was a was a really good one that I could hide behind if I didn't want to do something or if I needed to get some attention or whatever. Right. And it was uh it was it was probably the the moment that I said, Okay, I gotta I gotta go inward. I gotta go inward because all those other those labels are outside, outside of me. And that's not really who I am. And I'm examining that again. And I think the, and finding that peace and finding that love inside instead of looking outside. And that's the other thing that I, that I'm really experiencing is that I, you know, it's, it's not good for me to rely on a relationship to give me the love that I want. I have to, I have to be content with, with who I am right now. So that's a work in progress, as I said. So let's continue the conversation about labels. And I want to mention that the book that I was trying to think of is Blue Nights by Joan Didion. It's Blue okay. Nights by Joan Didion. Right. And let's continue the conversation about labels. I go through life unlabeled. I am not a parent. I don't have a spouse. And sometimes <laughs> I people want to label me. They want to know what what group mm-hmm. I belong to? Are you a parent? Are you married? And I have, I have, uh, I'm unlabeled. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always curious about how do we do without labels. So let's continue the conversation oh. next time when we we'll talk about labels. I, and um, last night I was at a track meet with my sister and another parent came up and was talking to my sister about her children. And this parent is so nice, so nice. And so after the conversation about my sister's children, she wanted to engage me in a conversation about my children. And she said, well, what about your children? And so I leaned in so nicely and I said to her, I don't have children. And I kind of felt bad for her because she was trying so hard to move me into the conversation. And then the conversation was trying to compensate that. And it was, my sister saying, oh, <laughs> but she's such a great aunt. She's such a good support. And I thought, it's okay. Oh. I don't have kids. It's okay, yeah, everybody. Yeah. But yeah. here's the part about it that sometimes I struggle with is, should I be going to these track meets? Do I belong here as the aunt? I really struggled with that for a long time. Should I be here? Should I be here? Anyway, so we'll yeah. continue the conversation about okay. labels. And I think okay. particularly in caregiving, we certainly can sometimes feel like, oh, I hate this label. And yet it can help us get out of <laughs> what we yeah, don't want to do. Does. Yeah. <laughs> As I see, so we'll I, I used to pull that. the caregiving card every once in a while, you know. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, it's, yeah. Okay. We'll leave it at that because okay. that's interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay, Holly. So we'll. We'll figure out our next show offline. Sure. But thank okay, you so much. So. It was great. This was thanks, great. Thanks, Denise. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And thanks, everybody, so much for listening. 
I'm Denise Brown. Be sure to stop by caregiving.com. Let us know how you're doing because we always love to know. Take care. Bye-bye.